Hey everyone, welcome to Infuse Church Online. It's great to have you tuning in. My name is Taylor and I'm one of the pastors here. Today we're wrapping up our four-week series called I Don't Wanna. And we have a special guest, uh, Mike, who's from Fort Dodge, Iowa, here to share today's message. I just want to let you know, if you know anyone in the Iowa City area, or perhaps you yourself live in the Iowa City area, to invite you to next week's uh, brand new series called In the Meantime. We'd love to have you uh, move from the online um, version to the in-person version, because we'd love to be able to connect with you and welcome you and invite you to be a part of our church community. So I hope you enjoy today's message. Imperfect people, outlandish love, real faith. Hi, Infuse. How are you? It's good to be back. As Pastor Taylor said, my name is Mike. This is my wife, Janice. Say hi, Janice. Hi, Janice. <laughs> she said hi, Janice. <laughs> That's, um, so we've been married. It'll be 43 years this year, but um, we went through some tough times in our early marriage. We were, we're products of the 70s. You know, so playing rock and roll bands in the 70s, got into the drug abuse and alcohol addiction and just, you know, crazy stuff. And after three years of marriage, we were separated. And we made a decision to kind of begin to seek out God and turned our lives over to Christ. And he really began to make some major changes in our lives. And so uh, what you see today is a result of, of God's work in our lives and, and helping us to not only just work through some of those issues in our lives, but reestablish our relationship with one another. And I've been pastoring, uh, we've been pastoring together in uh, the city of Fort Dodge to the west of here in Northways. Uh, we've been pastoring there since 1985. And so we have been pastoring for, uh, what's that going to be, uh, 30, uh, four years yeah, 33 or 34 years. Two years ago this month, we turned the lead pastor position um, in our church over to our oldest son, who's 36 years old. He's been working with us for like 16 years, and we turned it over to him. He's now the uh, lead pastor. I'm his associate, and that's working out great. I uh, still stay very busy and gives us an opportunity to do a little traveling and come and visit great people like you. So it's, uh, it's a joy to be here with you this morning. Um, and this, this idea today, we get to, I get to help finish up this series that we've been talking about, I don't want to. Everybody say, I don't want to. Have you ever said that? I don't want to? I think we all have, right? We've all had those times when we don't feel like being responsible adults. Am I right about it? I was just talking with someone, they're saying, you know, I had four days off this last week. I like, I like snow days. I still like snow days. It's fun to just get snowed in, right? You can stay in your comfy jammies and light a fire or whatever, you know, and once in a while, it's a nice break, but it would be irresponsible of us to stay in all the time, right, and not go to our jobs and not do the things. But we all have those moments where, you know, we just don't feel like adulting. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You just don't feel like rising to it today. Um, just want to go off the grid, not be responsible for anything. And that's why, I think that's why um, <laughs> vacations exist. It's an opportunity to get away from the usual responsibilities, have a little breather, um, not be responsible for some of our normal kind of stuff that we are, you know, from day to day, week to week responsible for. Give us a little break from those kind of things. But that's a temporary and infrequent break from the responsibilities that we normally have. Um, you know, it's a moment of refreshing. In 1990, a guy by the name of Stephen Covey wrote a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Has anybody here read that book or familiar with that book? Awesome, many of you have. There's a chapter in there called Sharpening the Saw. I think it's the last chapter. 
And in sharpening the saw, he talks about how every once in a while, you have to pull back a little bit. You need moments of refreshing to stir yourself. But then you've got to get back to it, back to the responsibilities. And he talks about if you're sawing, you're trying to cut through a, a piece of board with a dull saw, you're going to spend a lot more time and a lot more energy than if you would just take a moment to go sharpen the saw, and then you go through it really quickly. A couple of good pulls, and you're, you're through the wood, right? And so he says sometimes we just need to take that moment, that breath, that break, so that we can get back to being responsible for the things that we're responsible for and keep up with our responsibilities. And so in this series, in I Don't Wanna, this idea of that when we're irresponsible, there are certain things we don't want to do. I don't feel like going. I don't feel like doing it. I don't feel like showing up. Um, and so from the, the series, I kind of went back and watched some of the videos and the messages and um, this idea of the definition of irresponsible, I'm sorry, for, for responsibility, taking responsibility for your life, taking ownership for your life and its impact on others. That's what it means to be responsible, to take ownership for our lives and then how that impacts other people. So it's not just about us, but when we're responsible, it impacts other people, right? When we're responsible, it not only affects our lives, but those around us as well. Um, also, I like this question that has been posed to us already. Am I taking responsibility really? Am I really doing what I need to do to take responsibility in the various areas in my life where I have responsibilities? The third thing I want to show you, the third slide here, is who is taking responsibility for my irresponsibility? If I'm not being responsible, who am I forcing to be responsible in my place? And the idea kind of came up the next time, you know, the uh, kid doesn't want to put the dishes away. He has to have that child go and ask somebody, hey, Dad, by the way, would you take care of my dishes that I'm not going to do? Would you clean my room that I'm not going to clean? And we, we think about that. If I'm not going to be responsible, then I'm asking somebody else to do it. So who's taking responsibility for my irresponsibility? And finally, this idea of responsibility being our ability to respond. The responsibility. Our res we're responsible for our response. That makes sense? For how we respond to things. And um, so those kind, of, those kind of slides there, this opening uh, look at this idea of responsibility, is just kind of a recap of some of the stuff that's been talked about uh, in the last few weeks. Um, but I kind of want to throw you a little bit of a curveball today as I get into my message. Um, and it's going to be a little bit heavy-handed, this first verse, but I'll fix that in just a moment. So look at this verse with me. It's in James chapter 4, verse 17. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. So basically what this verse is saying is that irresponsibility is a sin. Now before we let our minds run too wild, I realize this kind of, I'm like, guest speaker coming out of the box with a verse about sin. Bang, there we go. Uh, but when we talk about sin, we're not talking necessarily about something that's going to send us to hell. We're talking about missing the mark, missing something, missing responsibility, missing opportunities that we might have to really make a difference. It's a pretty broad, pretty sweeping statement, but it's really just about missing the mark. And today I want to spend a little bit of time talking with us and exploring this idea of being responsible for our own spiritual growth. Um, we are all given this wonderful opportunity, this gift called life. And uh, life is given to us, and we get this wonderful response, our ability to respond, our responsibility. We respond to the life that we've been given. We might ask ourselves, what are we doing with this life? And particularly today, I want to talk about in this realm of our spiritual growth or our spiritual uh, formation, our spiritual pursuits. Um, so along with responsibilities at home, at work, 
um, responsibilities within our relationships that we all have, with friendships, those kind of things. We all also have a responsibility to God. We have a responsibility to our Creator. Um, I mean, somebody might be sitting here thinking, wow, I, don't, I didn't know God even knew who I was. I didn't know God had a plan for my life. But the fact of the matter is, we're all responsible for carrying out God's plans for our own lives. He's created us with a purpose, with a mission in mind. Um, in fact, I want you to look at this verse with me in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. Check this out. Just as He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before Him, in love. So think about this verse. I want you to think about this in context of your life. He chose you before the foundation of the world. You know, if, if you're going to build a house, if you're going to do a construction project, you're going to build something, the first thing you have to do is lay the foundation, right? Nothing really comes before the foundation. In fact, Jesus told a parable about that. He said if you build a house on sand and a storm comes, the sand starts moving, and what happens to the house? Collapses, right? If you go down below the sand and find some bedrock and you build the, the house on rock and a storm hits, what happens to the house? Continues to stand, right? So he gave us this principle and he talks about um, you know, following his teachings basically is what he's saying there. But he gives us this principle that if you don't lay a foundation, nothing can be built. This verse says that before God laid the foundation of the world, he somehow chose, and only a, only a creative God could do this, he somehow chose that you and I would be with him, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. Now, holy and blameless, that's not who I am. I am not holy and blameless. I am, um, I am unholy and I am blameable, if that's even a word. But I can easily be blamed. I have done a lot of things wrong. I've lived my life in, in, the, in the past in ways I shouldn't have. And even now, don't always do everything exactly right. Anybody with me in that category? So we are, we are to be blamed, right? But when God looks at us in Christ, he sees us as blameless. He sees us as holy. He sees us differently than we see ourselves. We see our constant struggles and the things we mess up. God sees us through his love. He sees us through the life of Christ. And he's chosen us, and he's marked us for a purpose. He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. So think about this. The only thing you do before you lay the foundation of a building is you lay out how you want that building to look. What's the size of that building going to be? Right? So you have the engineer's diagram, you have the blueprint, you know how big it needs to be laid out, you lay out that foundation based on what you want to build on top of it, correct? So it says here, before the foundation of the world, before God laid out the foundations of this world, he had this desire to choose you and me to be before him blameless and in his love, to be people who would be, according again to this verse, holy and blameless before him. So he chose us for a purpose. In Christ, we have been chosen, we're holy, we're blameless. Again, that's not who we are in ourselves, but in Christ, that's who he's made us. Our spiritual position has been changed. We might look at our lives, we might look at our past or even our present and realize that there are things that we've messed up, there are things that we have, you know, just royally messed up in our lives, and we might want to carry guilt or shame for those things, but in Christ we have been not only forgiven, but we've been chosen, we've been made holy, and we have been made blameless. That, by the way, is very good news. Our purpose is now to live out this life that Christ has given us, this holy and blameless life that Christ has given us. 
You know, when God puts a, a body of people together like he's done here at Infuse, he has a vision, he has a mission, he has a heart for that body of people. God sees us as individuals, but he also sees us as a collective body. When we join ourselves to a, a group of people like this called the church, a body like this, when we join ourselves to something that's bigger than just ourselves, we realize that God not only has a plan for our lives individually, but for us as a body as well to carry a message to this world that will speak of his love for us, his having chosen us, and making us holy and blameless before him. There's a, a little-known passage that you may have heard at one point in the gospel um, that says this, God so loved the world that he gave his only, sometimes we hear begotten son, but his only son, so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. How many of you have heard that verse? John 3:16. Of course you have. And in that verse, we read that God not only loves us, but he's done something about that love. He sent his son to the earth so that we who believe in him might have eternal and everlasting life. That's the basics. That's the simple, basic message of the gospel. And that's what this church and every church functioning really stands for. If it's naming the name of Jesus Christ, it's about God's love for us and about how believers have been given a place in God's eternity. That's an amazing and a very gracious message that God gives us. When we think about that, he calls us to believe in him, to trust in him, to rely on him. And in doing so, he gives our life a new mission. He gives us new hope. He gives us new life. He gives us the opportunity for our lives to make a difference in this world like it never could have before. I want to share some verses with you from Galatians chapter 6 as I kind of dive in a little bit of, to the meat of what I want to share with you today. I want you to look at this verse with me in Galatians 6, 4. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. So let's look at just the first part of this, and I see the yellow letters here. We'll get to those in a second. But the first part of this, taking pride in ourselves alone without comparing ourselves to someone else. You know, we're really good at comparing ourselves to others, aren't we? Looking at other people and thinking maybe they're better than us or maybe we're better than them or we compare what one person does compared to what we do or how they live compared to how we live. And we, we can do that with all kinds of things. We can do it with the things that we have or, you know, the, the types of possessions that we have or the positions that we have, the jobs that we have. We can compare things and we're pretty good at comparing. But it really says here that we need to not be concerned it's kind of a nice way of saying it, but we really shouldn't be concerned about other people's actions, but with our own actions. And the last part of this, for each one should carry their own load. That's responsibility. The Bible has given us a responsibility that each one of us should carry our own load. I did a quick search of that word uh, load from the, the Greek text, because you realize the New Testament is, was originally written in the Greek language. And that word is actually a word that means a task or a service. So we could say that we are all to carry our own task or do our own service. Um, it has to do with the cargo of a ship. So when it talks about this load, it's talking about the cargo that's placed in a ship. Well, let's think of that ship as the body of Christ on earth. Let's think of the cargo as the things that the body of Christ is to carry to this world. What are we to carry to this world? We're to carry a message of love. We're to carry a message of forgiveness. We're to carry a message of hope. We're to carry a message of peace. The church stands for the love and the forgiveness of God that creates incredible joy. In fact, the birth of Jesus was announced 
with joy, with an amazing joy. Peace, all this hope, all the stuff that, that the gospel is has been laid upon the church that we would carry the load, that we would carry the task, the service of serving the world around us with God's love and his compassion, his forgiveness, and his hope. Each one of us are to carry our own load. So I'm not saying this to try to condemn us. I want to motivate us. I want to encourage us. And I want to try, and Pastor Taylor's done a great job in this message, um, in this series on uh, responsibility. And I want to try to wrap this up today by talking about our responsibility before God, for our own lives, for how we live our lives, for how we interact with other people, and what that can look like, and what that maybe should look like. So we're all to fulfill our own task our, excuse me, our own task and our own service before God. And so um, we ask ourselves a question, so then what is my task? What is my service? What am I supposed to be doing? What am I supposed to be doing for God? And the basic thing is, number one, living for Him, serving Him, letting Him lead us, letting Him guide us, letting Him help us learn. Excuse me for just a moment. I don't know if I got the mic shut off for that or not, but I tried to. Uh, we, we, we need to find out what does he really want for my life. And we find that by reading the scriptures, by reading the Bible. We find out that he loves us. The verse I was reading earlier, that he chose us before the foundation of the world. How do, if you ask yourself a question, how does that make me feel that he chose me? Somehow, God in his great wisdom was able to look through the portals of time and see me, my life, and choose me before he ever created this world, I was already in the heart of God. How does that make us feel? It should make us feel excited. It should make us feel happy. It should make us feel humbled. Maybe there's a part of that that make, make us feel motivated that because God saw me like that, that God chose me, made me holy and blameless, that I want to live for him. But we all have a task or a service that God would ask us to carry before him in this life. So really just living, just living our lives implies responsibility that we have a responsibility before God. All things that need to be done in this world, he's placed on the church to be able to carry this. So let's spend the rest of our, our time here today, a great deal of our time in Ephesians chapter 4. So I want you to look at Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 with me. And he gave, I'm sorry, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so when we look at this passage, he gave pastors, and that's kind of where I wanted to focus this. The mission of a pastor, the work of a pastor, is to equip the saints, the people of God, to do the work of the ministry. And so what Pastor Taylor has been doing is he's been giving you tools that allow you to do the work of the ministry that God has laid upon the body of Christ, upon the church, to be able to do. And not only that, for the edifying or the building up and the, the strengthening of the body of Christ. And so the purpose of the pastor is to equip people. Um, to, that word equip means to furnish something for them, to give them what they need. You know, in the military, the quartermaster uh, department is responsible for giving the soldiers everything they need. There's a department that is responsible for making sure that the soldiers have everything they need. And it's, just, it's, that, it's that quartermaster's responsibility to make sure that the, the soldiers have what they need. But it's the soldier's responsibility to take those things and to use them in the current battle. Correct? 
So we have pastors, we have uh, people that we listen to who teach us the gospel. They're equipping us, they're giving us what we need. Now it's our responsibility, talking about our responsibility before God, to take those things and not just hear them, but to ponder those things and ask ourselves, how do I apply this to my life so that I can be part of carrying the load that the church is here to carry? This mission of carrying certain things to the world around us. And so the pastor is responsible to give you information, inspiration, motivation. The pastor gives you the tools that you need to be able to do the work of the ministry that God has set before you. So we're, we have to ask ourselves the question, so how do, I, how do I do this? How do I use these things to do the work of the ministry, to build up the body of Christ? And a couple of things I want to say about this. Um, the verse says that we're to do, first of all, the work of the ministry. Well, ministry requires work. Uh, to take this love, this compassion, this forgiveness that God has offered to the world, to the world around us, that requires some work. It doesn't just happen. You know, I'm always amazed when I come here and, and into Infused Church, and I see the work that goes into setting all of this up every Sunday morning here in this school gymnasium. You know, this doesn't just happen. I mean, for us, you know, we, we come here, I've, this is my third time now that I've been to Infuse, and uh, I always love coming here, love being with you folks. Um, but, you know, I, I just come here and show up. I walk in, the floor is covered, the stage is set up, everything is up and on, the chairs are here, everything is up and going, and, you know, I just walk in and enjoy it. But this doesn't just happen, does it? This doesn't just happen. There, there's work that it takes to do this. There's effort that it takes. It takes time, and it takes some people who are determined and dedicated to get this done, to get this area set up, to get the children's area set up. This is ministry. This church is ministry, and for this ministry to happen, there is work that's required. And so when it talks about for the work of the ministry, uh, ministry is always work. Now, your responsibility may not be to help set all of this up, but you know, we all have some responsibility in the work of the ministry, letting God do something in our lives that will move forward someone else in their relationship with God. Because when I take responsibility, it's not just ownership for my own life, but it's also how that affects other people. When you start taking ownership, when we all start taking ownership for our own spiritual life, it doesn't just affect us, but it begins to affect the people around us as well. Your spouse will never be happier than when you start living the gospel, right? My wife was very happy when I came to Christ because it changed who I was. And the more I've applied those principles and the more I've changed, I've been a Christian for, I guess, uh, 40 years, now, almost 40 years, and I'm still changing. Amazing, after 40 years, there's still stuff in me that has to be changed. How about that? That's humanity, right? God's still working and he's still creating change. My responsibility is to let him do it, to let him make me the person that he really wants me to be. This ministry stuff doesn't just happen. People take responsibility for it. The homeless get sheltered. The hungry get fed. The thirsty get water. People feel loved and valued. It doesn't just happen. It happens because somebody does the work to make sure that those things happen. Um, encouragement and assistance within the church doesn't just happen. It happens because someone takes the responsibility to do this. So the second thing it said in that verse, not only the equipping of the, for the work of the ministry, but also the edifying of the body of Christ, building up the body of Christ. So I want to move along. The next verses says this, verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine 
by trickery of men and the cutting craftiness of deceitful plotting, leaving all that out, we may grow up in all things to Him who is the head, and that is Christ. So I love what he says here. No longer children, but now beginning to grow up. That means taking responsibility, right? As children, we don't take as much responsibility as we do as adults. Let me ask you a question. If you had a six-year-old child at home, let's say a six-year-old son, and your six-year-old son comes to you and says, Mom, I want to be completely responsible for cleaning my own room now. I want to be completely responsible for cleaning my own room, taking care of my own laundry. I want to do that. You have enough to do, Mom. I want to take care of this, so I'm going to be responsible for that from now on, and you won't have to think about it. What would you do as a parent after you faint? What would you do as a parent? You'd say, wow, I never thought that my son would do that. He's, he's asking to take responsibility. What if your eight-year-old daughter came to you and said, I'll take responsibility to remember to do my homework, Dad. You'll never have to remind me. You'll never have to tell me. Um, I'm, I'm just going to take responsibility for that. Um, I, I know, Dad, you've got a lot to do. I'm going to make sure I get it done without you ever asking me. What would that mean to a dad? That'd mean a lot, right? My daughter is taking responsibility. What if your 14-year-old, here's one, you'll like this one. What if your 14-year-old just entering high school comes to you and says, you know what, Mom and Dad, I'm going to be responsible to get great grades in high school so that I can get a scholarship to college so you won't have to be responsible to pay for my college. How many of you would like to have that happen? That'd be great, right? It's taking responsibility. How do you suppose Pastor Taylor would feel if you came to Pastor Taylor and said, I know you're a very busy man and you have a lot going on and I want to take some of that responsibility off of you by taking some of the responsibility for the church on myself. How do you suppose he would respond to that? After he passes out and you get him back up again, you would be excited about that, right? We have to look at this thing as not just something that we get to be a part of, but something that we get to invest in. Something that we get to invest our lives and our time into. What if you said, I want to take complete control over this particular department. I want to take responsibility for that. I want to be accountable to you, but I'm going to just take responsibility and do the scheduling and run with that and help with that. Or maybe there's a new area that we're doing and I want to be involved in that. I want to help that move forward. That's what it means to do the work of the ministry and to edify the body, right? No longer children, but growing up. Not just coming and getting fed. There's a verse that talks about the difference between milk and meat. You know, and as Christians, sometimes we're taking in the milk instead of the meat. This is the meat when we start thinking, I want to be responsible. Is there something that I could be doing that would help advance the ministry of this church or just God's kingdom in the world around us? That's what we've been given responsibility for. Let me get to the 16th verse. This is a good one. Verse 16. From whom the whole body, would you say whole body with me? Say one more time, from whom the whole body, say whole body, whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So looking at this, that's great, let's go back to the previous one just for a second, we were there for a minute, looking at this, the whole body, so who does that leave out? Nobody, right? Every joint supplying something, right? And every part does its share. So we've been talking about this, the difference between responsibility and responsibility. If we are, <clears throat> excuse me, if we're being irresponsible with something, <clears throat> excuse me, we're causing someone else to pick up our responsibility, right? 
So if I'm not doing my part, if I'm not doing my share, then what am I really doing? I'm asking someone else to do my share. You know what ends up happening in a lot of churches? You get about 10 to 20% of the people doing about 80 or 90% of the work. And those people become tired and they become uh, exhausted and it just gets to be challenging. And you know what? We have, we, you can create a culture. We have worked this very hard in our church back in Fort Dodge to try to get this idea across that if everybody does something, nobody has to do everything. And we all have this wonderful privilege of engaging somehow in the work of the ministry. Every part. I love this idea, the whole body, every joint supplying something, every part does it. Share. Now go to the next slide for me, if you would, please. And what happens then? Growth of the body. The body grows, and it begins to edify itself or build itself up in love. You know why that is? Because when we serve, that's the motivation for our serving love. And, you know, it's, it's odd for me to bring this message a little bit as a, as a guest speaker. I preach this kind of stuff in my home church a lot. But to bring this as a guest uh, minister to a, a church that I'm not part of, although I feel like I'm part of you, it's a little bit different for me. But when we look at this idea, I want this church to grow. Anybody else here? I want this body to be built up in love. I want, I want there to be an atmosphere here, and I know you do too, as people engage us as they walk into this place, <clears throat> that they sense not only that we love God, but that we love them, that we're glad that they're here, that sense of, of love. And, and so that the body growing in love, the body growing up as a result of every joint supplying something, every part doing its part, everybody being involved, the whole body, every joint. In fact, go back to the previous one just one more time. We've got this verse kind of broken up. But from whom the whole body joined and knit together. How do we become joined and knit together? By what every joint supplies. As we continue to do something to help this body move, the body becomes more joined together, more knit together, and things begin to happen. You know what joints let us do? Um, Every joint supplies. You know what joints let us do, right? They let us move. If we didn't have joints, we would just be, we'd be stiff. We'd be boards. Joints allow us to move. You know what every joint supplying something allows the body to do? Move and grow in advance. And I need, to, I need to move on right now. So then every part does its share. It causes the body to grow, and things begin to happen. Two things. If we don't, if we don't get involved in this, if we don't see this, if we don't embrace this, if we let ourselves just kind of not be a part of that, we miss out on what God really has for our lives. And the body also misses something. I, I want to give you an illustration today real quick here uh, about um, this whole idea of a body and every part having its part. A puzzle. How many of you have ever put a, a jigsaw puzzle together? Anybody ever done that or been part of doing something like that? I had a sister who lived in a nursing home, and she loved jigsaw puzzles. It was what she did all the time. Every time we went to visit her, we knew where she would be. She would be at, the, at her table putting a puzzle together. And it was something for her to do. And you know, she'd have the box there. She'd have the picture of the puzzle. So she knew what she was putting together, right? But the problem was finding all the pieces and getting all the pieces in the right place. I watched a video of a puzzle being made. And you know, I just never thought about it. Maybe you haven't either. I've never thought about how do they make a jigsaw puzzle. I mean, I was pretty sure there wasn't some old guy in you know, coveralls with a jigsaw, you know, cutting out jigsaw puzzles one at a time, but I had no idea how they actually made these puzzles. And so I watched this video, and on the video there's this board, like almost like cardboard stuff, right? Whatever the puzzle made out of, some kind of pressed cardboard. And there's a picture that's, that's on it. The image is there. And it goes through this machine that has laser 
like uh, laser knives in it, and, a whole, and it just goes through, and when it comes out the other side, it's in a bunch of pieces. So it starts out as one picture. I should have known that. It just never occurred to me. It starts out as a picture, then it gets cut up. And then you have to put all the pieces back in place and make it a picture again. And um, you can't force the, the pieces. They have to fit next to one another. They only fit in certain places. Every, every piece has to be in the right place. And some puzzles are harder than others. Some puzzles are very simple. You know, we have some puzzles around our house for our grandchildren. We got them when our grandkids were very small. And they may have just a few little pieces. And it still takes them a while to get that together. But there's just a few pieces. Some are very elaborate. Some are thousands of pieces. Um, but I wanted to show you, I went to a website called um, The Most Difficult Puzzles in the World. And I want, to, want you to look at a few of these. Check out this first one here. Wow. I mean, I don't even know, how would you even begin with that? There's no, like, real pattern to it. There's no image there. Um, it would be very challenging to put that together. Look, check this one out. <clears throat> I know where I'd start with this one. I'd look for the purple one, right? And try to work from there. I mean, that would just be, I, I don't even know how you'd do it. This next one is really cool. Check this out. This is a puzzle of puzzle pieces. So, again, there's no pattern to it. That's the actual, that's the actual puzzle. Um, it's, the pic it's a picture of the actual puzzle. Uh, how about this one? Check this one out. Oh, yeah. Puzzle of pencils put end to end. And some of these would be very challenging, very difficult. But you know what? Every one of these puzzles, let's leave this one on for a minute. Every one of these puzzles starts with an image. And then that image is broken up into pieces. Then it has to be put back together again. And as you think about that, a puzzle is a little bit like God's plan for our lives, and a little bit like his plan for the church. Um, starts with a plan, starts with a picture. I believe that God has a plan for my life and for your life. Do you believe that? But that plan, that picture, is kind of fuzzy sometimes, and there's pieces to it, and we have to kind of work through the pieces of our lives and get that in place. But I want to talk about the, 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 the church as a body of people for a minute. Um, God chose us individually before the foundation of the world. Um, he knew what he wanted us individually to be from the foundation of the world. But also, I believe that God creates this body, puts this body together, and has a picture, an image of what he wants this church to be. And um, the, thing, the thing about it is, we're all part of something significant, something awesome. I actually have a puzzle piece right here. And uh, this piece actually belongs to this puzzle uh, that you'll see on the screen right here. Um, the next one, next slide. Is there another one up there? Oh, I'm sorry, we didn't have another one. Okay, so um, anyway, it's a picture. There it is. Uh, this belongs to that, and this, this is actually uh, kind of a famous one. It's not really what it is, but I call it a city on a hill, right? Because that's what the church is, a city on a hill. So anyway, this piece comes from that actual puzzle. Uh, but you know the thing is, that puzzle will never look exactly like that without this piece, Right? This is part of it. It's unlike any other part in there. And um, this piece, this particular piece, if it's not in that puzzle, the puzzle is never going to look exactly right. Um, so even though, I could look at it this way, even though I'm only part of the body, only part of the church, if I'm not in my place, remember we read that verse about every part in its place and every part doing its share. If I'm not there, if I'm not in that part, if I'm not in that place taking my part, then something's going to lack within that body. Does that make sense to everybody? 
Um, so though we're only part of it, you know, there's some that fit closely together, so I have a few from that very same puzzle that I have connected together as one piece of the puzzle. Um, it's several pieces put together. I think I have nine pieces here put together. Those nine pieces all fit next to each other, but they're part of a bigger puzzle. Some of the pieces will not touch each other, but they touch the pieces that are touching the pieces, and that's what makes the puzzle come together. Some of us are going to work more closely together in a local body. Some churches might work together in a community, but the fact of the matter is God has a plan. He has a picture of what he wants. I'm just going to keep it right here, what he wants this local church to be. And for that to happen, all the pieces need to be in place doing what they do. Um, I have a, a way of defining or looking at this word church. If we could put up that slide that you had up there a second ago. Uh, so spell this with me. C-H-U-R-C-H. What's right in the middle of church? That's right, you are. What's right in the middle of church? You are. There is no church without you are. You. There's no church without you. If you take you are out of there, all you have is what? Jesus never said he was going to build a church. He said he was going to build his church. So you are a vital part of Jesus building his church. Church will never be what God called it to be without you being part of that picture. So I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad you're part of what's going on in this body. And not only does it have to be there, but it has to be in the right place, right? It has to be in the right position. So let's look at this, this verse one last time. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, and I need to finish up here. But under his direction... So who's really assembling this puzzle? God is, right? Under his direction, the whole body, I love this, fitted perfectly together. What do you do with puzzle pieces? You fit them perfectly together. You can't force them. You can't make them fit where they don't belong. Fitted perfectly together, and each part in its own special way helps the other parts. So the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Again, these parts, these individual parts help the other parts by helping make a more complete and more full picture. And so here's the thing. We need to be part of something bigger than ourselves. We need to believe that we're part of a mission, part of something that's bigger than just us. I believe that God has his hand on this church and that this church is in its, in its beginning stages and is going to do amazing and wonderful things in this area, and we all get to be a part of that. And I consider myself in that as well. We all get to be a part of that. We all get to be a, a piece of that puzzle. And we take the responsibility to do our part, to do our share, to be that joint that supplies its part. Whether that's a, a small thing or something larger than what we thought it might be, the result is that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. And the predetermined image that God had for this body when he started it will begin to be seen more and more as time goes on. And that picture becomes clearer and clearer as every part, every piece is there doing its part. So, um, so I'm going to have a couple helpers come with me real quick. And uh, I wanted to give you something today before I finish. I want to give you something. I want to give you a piece of this puzzle. And I want you to just take that puzzle piece, um, and I, I want it to be a reminder to you that you're part of the picture of what God has called this church to be. And that this particular body, in fact, I would even go further than that and say God's kingdom on earth can't be exactly what it could be or what God envisioned it to be without you taking the responsibility to be 
the person in God that he's called you to be. And that, that is a responsibility, yes, but it's not just about what we can do. It's about letting God, letting the Holy Spirit, letting Jesus teach us, lead us, guide us, listening to the pastor who has been called to equip us, to give us what we need so that our lives can fully represent this image of what God wants us to be. And so as you take that piece, I want you to just, just take that as a reminder. Maybe uh, put it someplace. You know, I've, we'd, you could put it on, on the dashboard of your car with a piece of tape or put it on a mirror where you put on your makeup every day or something. But just put it somewhere where you see it and it becomes a reminder to you that, you know what, I'm not just living my life. I'm part of God's picture for his church. And I have a responsibility to fulfill this calling that God has placed on my life. So I want to take a moment to pray for you as... Uh, these pieces are being handed out. Father, I thank you for this opportunity today to be together with your people here at Infuse. I thank you that something in this simple message today would make a difference in each of our lives, that we would have some motivation, some encouragement, some desire to be responsible with our own spiritual walk and with the calling that you've given us to reach out to the world around us and to serve one another in this body by serving this church. We thank you, God, that this, this small piece of puzzle uh, though it's very, really insignificant in itself, that it would remind us of the significance of your love, your compassion, your grace to call us to be part of this church. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.